0: Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss Tom Cruise, Cruise, Thomas, and the Cruise Missile. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Welcome to a special edition of the Tomorrow Podcast. Not
1: your usual Tomorrow
0: Podcast. Saint, your grandfather's tomorrow. Uh, I'm, of course, here with Ryan Houlihan. Still here. Still trapped in this room. Have I ever talked to you about the restaurant Houlihan's in Pittsburgh?
1: (laughs) I think we have briefly. They have very good ranch dressing. That's all I can tell you. I think it's owned by the Hershey's Company. And I used to get asked when I was a kid, like, did did your family own that restaurant? Is that true? If I owned that restaurant, I wouldn't be talking to you. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, I wouldn't be buying
0: street drugs from you.
1: Yeah,
0: actually. uh hands. I think their salads also had very big croutons. As another, they've got memory. a wacky menu, mm. like a
1: big menu full of like weird things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're still open. You can go to Hula
0: My or... memory is that it was like kind of a, an off-brand TGI Fridays. Yeah, yeah, with like with like, like silly better. choices. It's like better than TGI yeah, Fridays. Yeah, they. I mean, they were trying to compete. I mean, I want to. I don't want to. I'm not trying to shit talk our sponsor, TGI Fridays. <laughs> Oh, by the way, this tomorrow is brought to you by TGI TGI Fridays. Friday's. Get those fried string
1: beans. Yeah, they have pretty uh, good. Two
0: people can eat. Two adult humans can eat a dinner for ten dollars. That seems okay, right? Mm -hmm.
1: That dinner is
0: basically lean cuisine, but you're in a fun place (laughs) with
1: crazy shit on the wall. I think
0: so. (laughs) Didn't TGI Fridays do a redesign where they have like they took all the flair off the walls? Oh, I missed the flair then. Anyhow, anyhow,
1: anyhow. That's not here. What we're here to discuss.
0: Uh, This is a special bonus episode because you're missing. I'm missing an action. This missing, week. missing. Where on, in the world I'm is a mission, Carmen Polsky. <laughs> that's right. I'm on a mission, an impossible mission, and that's what this episode is about. Where this, you know, there is a new Mission Impossible film coming out. It's called Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout, not to be confused with Fallout Skyfall. 1, James Fallout Bond, 2, Skyfall. Fallout Three. Uh, mission Impossible. Okay. Hold on. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna punch this up on my console here. Mission Impossible. Got a new old MacBook. Uh, I need to disambiguate this. Leonard Nimoy was in Mission Impossible. Did you know that at one point on TV? Nope. We're not here to talk about the TV show, which is bullshit and can kiss my ass. I we're, didn't even know that these were reboots. We're here to talk about—you didn't? Nope. We're here to talk about the film series starring Tom fucking Cruise. Oh, here we go. Mission the, cruise Impossible. The, the, the Cruise Missile. The Cruise Missile, which features the films Mission Impossible— Mission Impossible 2, directed by John Woo, if I recall correctly. Mission Impossible 3, which is the Mission Impossible we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. only Mission Impossible 3. We're just
1: focusing on 3.
0: Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. Which is a great title. All of these titles are great. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Incredible. And now, in 2018, Mission Impossible Fallout. Fallout. So, um... Couple things about this. Yes, the second one is the first Mission Impossible, is directed by Brian De Palma, which is crazy. Crazy. That's crazy shit. I we really should go back and watch that. I mean, Brian De Palma directed. I mean, let's talk about the film. Sorry, I know as we said we were only going to talk about um, uh, the third one. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy directed some crazy shit. Carrie. Uh, I mean, we got to get our
1: big drill out. If we're
0: going to talk about well, he, dressed, he, he, <laughs> he, he directed Blowout, mm-hmm. Scarface, Body Double, oh. The Untouchables, mm-hmm. Bonfire of the Vanities. Some of these are bombs. Carlito's Way, Raising Cane, which is a film starring John Lithgow, where I, um, I heard an interview with him where he talks about how uh, to seem in, crazy in that movie, he like didn't blink. He never blinked in any of his yeah. scenes or something. Okay. Or there's like a scene where he's losing it, and like uh-huh. it's like a four-minute monologue, and he never, never blinks. blinks. I don't know. That's, That's good. Horrifying. Cool. Okay. Anyhow, so so there's a new Mission Impossible coming out. As you, as everybody who's listening to the Tomorrow Podcast knows, as everybody in the world knows, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. Uh, you know, I met him. You've been hyping the release <laughs> of this film since the show started. Okay, so 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 I will say this: I saw the first trailer for this movie, and I'm like, this looks fucking. Good. You like lost your mind. (laughs) I was like, this is what the Avengers wishes it was. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is like the Avengers. That's exactly what you said. The Avengers for adults. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh and I they made they released some from further further trailers and they all I know, I don't watch any of the so they have a lot of stuff that's like um, you know, like behind the scenes. I don't I want to see any behind the scenes. I want to see only the scenes. I don't want to see anything about the making of. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know how you made it. No. I want to just see the thing you made.
1: And the thing where they're always like, Tom Cruise did all his own stunts, only
0: broke three bones. You're like, like, what? I know. That's cool. Okay. It's cool. But like, I would watch him doing the stunts, I guess. I don't know. Kind of. But like, that seems very 2004. Like, if I had a DVD and I was really excited about the (laughs) thing and I had nothing else to watch, I guess. It's like watching a painter mix paints. Like, I don't want to watch him mix <laughs> no. paints. I don't want to see the painting before it's finished. Uh, you, never, you know what, you never want to see a, a joke writer write jokes? Yeah, how did he do the eyes <laughs> on that face? Like, who cares? Who cares? Right? Yeah, the joke writer. Yeah, the workshopping, the punchline. The, the rewording of a sentence. <laughs> I mean, sure, Seinfeld's basically made a second career out of that, but, you know. Of but like, is anyone watching? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Everybody's always, I don't think so. I don't nope. know. Everybody's like, you got to watch nope. comedians in cars getting you. I him. did try to watch one episode of it. He's, like, he's, he's the worst part. It's bad. The I don't cars know. are bad. I
1: literally like, do I don't like, know what product
0: placement is so bad. I don't know what people see in the show. No, it's the conversations bad. are meaningless. They're like, and not he makes even... like
1: three gay jokes per episode, and you're like, why didn't we leave you in the '90s? I like, what's a gay joke that Seinfeld would make?
0: He's like, says
1: at one point to Alec Baldwin, they're like looking in each other's eyes, and he's like, you give off a gay vibe, Alec. I love that about you. <laughs> or at one point, he's just like, he'll be sitting with someone, and they'll have their hand out, and he'll just like grab their hand and be like, are we gay now? <laughs> And then they go back to what they were talking about. And I, I feel think like, like,
0: I feel like geez, maybe you're not funny anymore. I feel like Alec Baldwin maybe is bi and he's not really public about it. I don't think so. I, I like think a, Stephen Colbert is bi. I get a very bi vibe from Alec Baldwin. I every, feel like every al- time we have a lot sex. of stuff happened in the <laughs> 80s that we don't know <laughs> about. Every time we're fucking. About. <laughs> I'm like, I think you're bi. Um, no, like, anyhow, no, your dick's the best place to do coke. Mm, it reminds me of my favorite Onion article, which may or may not be politically correct anymore. What is that? <laughs> It's, it's from the 90s. Okay. I, I believe the headline is, why do all these homosexuals keep sucking <laughs> yeah, my cock? Yeah, no, that's the best. <laughs> it's really, really good. It's a guy who's like, look, I don't have any problem with gay people, <laughs> but please stop sucking my cock. <laughs> it's like the one I read
1: this week that was like nine-year-old left alone with Facebook for 10 minutes. Now thinks we need to protect the Aryan
0: race. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. I can tell you, it. I read I read that uh, article why do all these homosexuals keep sucking my cock? I think it holds up. I no, mean, that it,
1: does. That's a great joke.
0: It's really just the whole Because p- it's th- about, fuck you. <laughs> but the entire article is, like, normally a nine article is, like, as, sometimes it's only as good as the headline. Yeah. This one I feel like actually all the way through. And well, this that is was, so like, the, the
1: 9-11 terrorists surprised to find themselves in hell that got published, like, the week after 9-11. And it was, like, a picture of them, like, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so wrong. You know, they said that they said that jokes were dead after 9-11. They hadn't met Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> they
1: didn't know they that had the a... Big Bang Theory was right around <laughs> yeah. the
0: corner. They hadn't met um, Jeff. Oh, who's the guy with the fucking uh, uh, the dead Arab? Uh, the really oh, the offensive. Puppet? They had Jeff, uh, Jeff. Jeff. No, Dunham.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jeff Dunham. They're all
0: all the blue collar comedy guys Dunham are some or version of Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, Mission Impossible three. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Mission Impossible three. Speaking of post-9-11. Speaking of post-9-11, well, Mission Impossible 3 was m- created in 2006. But it was in development for a long time. I don't know. Well, actually, there was a, there, I think there is a big gap. Two thousand six six-year gap. But the script was rewritten like 100 times. Six-year gap between the second Mission Impossible, directed by John Woo, which features the most amazing, one of the most amazing scenes of all time, where two people fly off of motorcycles and join in, an, in a violent embrace in midair. I believe that happens in Mission Impossible 2, <laughs> where, like, two people going in opposite directions, Tom Cruise being one of them. Because, you know, by the way, with Tom Cruise, it's all about He's like, how can I get a motorcycle into this movie? Oh, yeah. Because he loves motorcycles. This, okay,
1: wait. So there's a scene in this movie where he's just a normal guy in the suburbs. He's laying uh, low. He works well, at the transportation. We're getting
0: I don't want to jump I'm, into that. I don't want to
1: get too far. Okay. But he's just laying low. Mm. And then we immediately cut to him looking cool as shit on a motorcycle. And you're like, that's not
0: lying low. There's also like a scene in the garage. <laughs> I noticed so he takes a call in the garage or whatever. Yeah. And there's a motorcycle in the background. Yeah. I was kind of like, what's your explanation? for? This? I guess you're just like a suburban guy with a motorcycle. Okay. So, anyhow, Mission Impossible 3. The So, first off, the movie is the first film directed uh, – so uh, let me sorry, Let me go back. I think Mission Impossible 3 is the best Mission Impossible. Yeah. I think it's a controversial statement. I don't know how people feel. I think a lot of people really have loved the last two. I think
1: if you could objectively look at them outside of the context of, like, when they came out and all that stuff, I think people might be able to agree with you.
0: They're going to have to agree with me at the end of this podcast. They'll realize that I have empirical data to support my <laughs> assertion. Um, I think Mission Possible 3 is the best mission possible, but here's some things you should know about it. First off, it's directed by J.J. Abrams. It's the first film directed by J.J. J. Abrams. And in my opinion, it's the best film directed by J.J. Abrams. If you
1: cut out one scene of The, last, of, um, the Force Awakens, I, I think it would be better, but you can't. So, what scene? Um, that scene with the space monster. Where they're all—it's like a—it's like a, it's like a it's the like tentacle, a tentacle thing. the tentacle monster. What a what a fucking drag on that entire film. What a wh- I hate that scene. It's I would ju- I would cut that out and it'd be a perfect film. This movie's so <sighs> yeah, lean it's funny. And I, tight. Didn't even, I didn't even. This think movie's of... like a like a like a like the abs of a teenager. It is wow. so That's, lean,
0: uh, like an eighteen-year-old or older. Oh yeah, no, not not, not, not uh, anybody. Slim
1: nineteen-year-old. Yeah yeah
0: yeah. Okay, all right. Just want to make sure that you know I don't want our sponsor <laughs> TGI Fridays to get upset about. Any Uh, propriety?
1: I know it's a family brand.
0: I mean, I mean, sure. We've been talking about cocksucking, but (laughs) that's 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 brand safe. That's kosher. That's brand safe. (laughs) It's kosher. That's very good. Um, It's the he he co-wrote it. He the other writers are um, uh, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto. I think it's pronounced Orsi. Mhm. So these guys are really famous for a couple of things that that everybody here should know. But most importantly, um Star Trek. Well, they did they did the Star Trek reboot with Abrams. Another lean film. Um uh but I think uh, I want to say Roberto Orsi also did. No, these are all the same. Yeah, um Transformers. One of them did Sleepy Hollow. The original Transformers. Um uh hold on a second. Uh whatever, it doesn't matter. And some real shit. I mean, everybody does their own garbage. Ugh. Oh, they did the mummy. That was a bomb. The original Transformers
1: is the closest that those movies got to being movies.
0: You know, the mummy was an attempt to start a new I mean I'm sure everybody uh, knows. The this. Dark Universe. The Dark Universe, which was gonna be you know, Tom Cruise, I guess, was gonna be the the he was gonna be the um uh uh, he was going to be the uh, Iron Man of the Darky Dark, dark and you Universe know what? or whatever. I feel
1: like that could have worked if you didn't start it out by saying like we're going to make a universe. Just make the
0: movies. Why make the Mummy as the movie though? I, I don't know. I don't like know. the Mummy. First off, it would the be Mummy Frankenstein.
1: First right? off, you start with Dracula.
0: Yes, the Mummy. Right. That's right. The Mummy first I've had a series of great films starring Brendan Fraser. that cannot at, be at, at the original bet. mummy actually, The first mummy is actually really a good movie. An incredible movie and a great ride. It's a great. It's a, I have a bit on the ride. <laughs> the ride's great. This is I'm glad that we're staying on topic. I love that about us. Okay. So so now here's the most important thing you need to know about Mission Impossible 3. It's a long episode of Alias. <laughs> okay, I've never seen an episode of Alias so I can't help you there. It is. I do know there's like I feel like but Alias a, is a great show. <clears throat> Sorry. Philip Seymour Hoffman is the villain. Yeah. And he is fucking amazing. He's so good. He's fucking amazing in this movie. I miss him. He plays a character named Owen Davian, who is like... Davian. Who is like, you know, he's a perfect villain. Yeah. He's like a blonde-haired white guy. Yeah, he's a little campy.
1: Yeah, a little campy. Just, so, just enough. Just that Philip terrifying. Oh, he is terrifying. Scary as shit. When he's like, I will kill you.
0: Oh, I believed him. He's terrifying. Uh. His voice is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, He's like a little bit like his voice. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman always had a voice that was very distinct. Yeah. I feel like he's a little. He's buf- like
1: Jeremy Irons.
0: But he's a little Buffalo Bill in this one. Yeah. He's got a little kind of like, I wouldn't be surprised oh. if he wasn't sort of referencing something about Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, the great romantic comedy, Silence of the Lambs. It puts the lotion in the last <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, uh, but anyhow. T.J. Fridays. Amazing T.J. Fridays. It puts the lotion in the basket. Um, <laughs> it rubs, the, it rubs the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose. Oh, yeah, T.J. Fridays. <laughs> um, Billy Crudup, who Crudup is like, you know, I don't know what to say about Crudup. He's the perfectly cast in this film, in He's my so opinion. Hot. And, Wynton, feel free to chime in because I know you also watch Everyone Mission Impossible. This movie is hot. You like Crudup. So here's my – whenever I think of Billy Crudup, I think about the story about how he left his uh, pregnant wife for Claire Danes. That's what I think of. And who among us (laughs) Who among us has it (laughs) Who among us has it That's the first thing I think of when I think of Crying Up Maybe she had just Had the baby Yeah All I know is that He was very uh, Very into Claire Danes And
1: he was out of there Real fast
0: Yeah She she may be an actress too I don't remember Um, We've also got Jonathan Rhys-Meyers Jonathan Rhys-Meyers Pre- Tutors,
1: mm-hmm. uh, so Again, he's like a nobody. So hot,
0: yeah. He's very skinny in this, like way skinny. I remember skinnier. him in here, uh, 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 like train uh, spotting. Maggie then. Q at the peak of Maggie Q's oh, fame. Oh, I, mean, I only want to talk about Maggie Q. This is now the Maggie Q cast. Maggie Q, so good in this movie, is laying it on thick in the Vatican she's so scenes. Good. She's By the way, I feel hot. where what's Maggie Q been doing? She's so good in this movie. I know she's so good. She's on the show, um, It's like Blue Heat or like um, the the Red Line or. Uh, uh, blue blood designated survivor. Oh my god, no designated survivor. Yeah, I made up a designated survivor song. It's just like designated survivor, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> no, like, like a seventies theme. Designated survivor is like he's the only one left. <laughs> like yeah, basically, <laughs> I did the same thing for uh, for Under the Dome. <laughs> You know, I have an under. I have we're under this dome. I t- it's like that. Do you want to hear the song? No, I, I can't believe I'm actually. Of course,
1: I. Want so to I hear taught. The
0: song. I taught Zelda this song, which she really likes. <laughs> it's like I'm under the dome. You're under the dome. We're under the dome together. I'm under the dome. She's under the dome. We're under the dome forever. <laughs> that's the. That's the song which Laura I so Forget you were once a professional musician. <laughs> that's right. I took all of my, my. And I have a great singing voice too. I wanted to do it like an 80s style. Yeah. You could hear it, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, like that cartoony sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever watch Under the Dome? That show's fucking insane. <laughs> so I'd bad. i have seen
1: it, but I never like sat down and.
0: I'm like, boy, it, like the thing about un- Under the Dome and also de- Designated Survivor is that they're like, you just have to keep going like, boy, he really is under that dome. Yeah, <laughs> they really are Under the Dome. Or like the Designated <laughs> fire I was always like, he really is the, he's the survivor. He's been designated as the survivor and he's I really I feel like it.
1: he's gonna survive. All of
0: this. <laughs> well, he didn't survive being canceled. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, Maggie okay. Q ended up doing Nikita because of this. Maggie Q's great. Never saw Ma- Nikita. Simon Pegg, Lawrence Fishburne in a, in a scene chewing. Every yeah, scene chew- he's in. So good. There might as well be no one else on screen. He's Every line he has is perfect. Yeah. Every line. Uh, I mean, there's even this like, there's even, he makes an Invisible Man reference. Oh, yeah. That's like. Well, it's not Alice. In case you were wondering, yeah, it's so good. It's like really like the I, the dialogue in this movie is crackerjack. Mm-hmm. It is it is really fucking good. Do they say Ving Rhames? Do we say Ving, Ving Rhames? Michelle Monaghan, who's by the way, I think a great actress. She's great in this show. She film. needs to work more. Carrie Russell. Ugh, Carrie kind Russell. Of a, Carrie Russell kind of has a Drew Barrymore in Scream situation in this movie. So good though. You're like Carrie Russell. I love her.
1: Yeah. And, then, and you know J.J. was just like, I'm going to call up some old Felicity oh,
0: pals. Right. And Aaron Paul has a very small role. Yeah, that was A.K.A. Fun. Jesse Pinkman from – is that his name? Jesse Pinkman from mm-hmm. Breaking Bad? I was like, Joe Jesse's in this. I forgot. And, of course, a star turn for Greg Grunberg. G- G- Greg Grunberg, is that his name? Yeah.
1: Always ends up in the J.J. He's in J. every J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah, except Star Wars. No, I think no he's, he is not Star a, Wars. A, he's a stormtrooper. he's a yeah, stormtrooper. Storm That's
0: yeah. right. Okay. Um, anyhow, so, so Mission Impossible 3 is – uh, above all else, a love story.
1: It's yeah, I, Wyndon said it best. It's about Ethan taking care of the women in his life.
0: Yes, because he has a nurturing aspect that we don't see in the other Mission Impossible it's, films. Yeah, it's it's dynamic. He's not just a hunter gatherer. He's also a nurturer. That's what you need to know about Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt. Um, he's a Renaissance man. He does it all. So so the film. So first off, the film opens with a gambit. It opens in the middle of the movie. This to me is like I think a great – I mean I don't know if it was written this way or if J.J. was just like we should do it this way. The film opens in the most electric way. So good. you are thrust into a situation. You're like, what the fuck is going on? You meet the villain and scene one. Which, uh, again, I know you haven't
1: seen it. It is textbook alias, like, getting your brain tickled and addicted to, like, what you're about to watch. Yeah. It is textbook alias when you'd watch it. I've never taken meth. I imagine it was, like, taking meth. Because, like, They're you would watch it. taking meth while doing it. Your brain, like, lights up take, where you're like, fuck, case. I got to know what's happening. This is so crazy. I'm mm. like, my adrenaline's pumping already. And then they pull you back. Is it that And good? you're in regular life. Yeah, alias was so addicted. The first two seasons of that show
0: are wild. I don't know. I Man, I just feel like it's always like just broadcast, like old broadcast TV is just so I don't know if it holds up, but I will
1: say at the it's time. Like there's no it's nudity, the same there's no nudity, and they swearing. It's you the know. same like sexy, like fast energy. And then he pulls you back into the regular world. So suddenly you're in the suburbs mm. and that is you the contrast, mission Impossible three. But also an Aliens, okay, She'd po- suddenly be at college or whatever. It's the same like techniques I'm and really it's really mad so good. I'm really
0: mad that you're like taking I feel like you're taking you're making Mission Impossible three less special. No, By I'm not saying it's I'm just saying like Alias.
1: He perfected his skills in this like playground and then he put like what he learned to work in like a master version of it. I also think the Alias is, the pilot of Alias is one of the best movies ever. Well, like it's a great movie. I guess
0: I'll have to watch it now. You enter the film in a jarring moment. It's it's emotional, it's intense. Um you see you get introduced to all sorts of things and you're not really sure what's happening, but you are it's intense now. Tom Cruise goes through some of. I think does some. I actually think he does some of his finest acting in this film. Yeah, but they do a thing. Forget he's such a good actor
1: and he's so hot.
0: Yeah, like the hating him for Scientology
1: stuff. He's made, very attractive. Really clouds how talented he truly.
0: Is. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get over that stuff because his the power of Cruise shines through. He's so good. Um the. But they do this thing where where, you know, whatever. If you're watching this, I'm sorry, like there's gonna be spoilers because we, we're talking about Mission Impossible three and it's from two thousand six. Like you're twelve fine. it's twelve years you're old or fine. something. Like it's you know. I'm bad at math. It's how many years is it? The kids in middle school. It's twelve. Twelve years. Yeah. At any rate. The kids in middle school.
1: Like for twelve after twelve years, you could have raised a middle
0: schooler. Oh, sure. At any rate. Um, you know, they he goes through this, he's bargaining. With uh with Philip Seymour Hoffman, with Owen uh, Owen Davian is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he's going through like these all of these options of bargaining. And it's like tough guy bargaining and then like sensitive bargaining, and then like, okay, I'll get you what you want bargaining, and then like, you know, sad like stages bargaining. of grief. Yeah, it's like stage. it's like all of these. I mean, for all I know, they actually use the stages of grief as the model. And we to should watch Tom Cruise use those different line reads. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I mean, he goes through each and thing you buy and, it every time. Until you're like He's crying, he's in tears, and you're like, fuck, Cruz is really turning it on. Yeah. Anyhow, so then it's just Cracker Jack opening, incredible beginning, and then smash cut to Tom Cruise in Suburbia. It's almost, like, irreversible. It's almost like, it's very much like, uh, in a way, like, it may be, I think they came out the same year, but, um, you know, it's like you see Tom Cruise, the family man. It's a lot of heart, very naturalistic, nothing feels forced. I mean, Tom Cruise, you see his full range, but everybody's great in it. Um, and I just think like this film has something so special. It's so propulsive. I mean, it just does not, and I don't mean propulsive in the way that like everything is a set piece. It just goes, it just moves like, it just moves fluidly and effortlessly. Right. So the setup is basically this. Tom Cruise has settled down. He's no longer in the field. Six years later. He's training. Since his last mission, um, he's training new recruits. Uh, to get out in the field and become uh, Impossible Mission Force members, which, by the way, l- lest we forget, they re- do remind us in this film at the end that he works for the IMF, which is the Impossible Mission Force. I laughed out loud at that. I mean, yeah, well, you on. don't rem- you don't know. They say they definitely say it somewhere, but like the original TV about
1: series, they're real stuck on uh, using that nomenclature.
0: I mean, up So Up calls him up. He's like, "I got to talk to you." He's at home having a party because he just got engaged to the beautiful Michelle Monaghan, and. uh you know, he goes out, talks a crowd up in a 11. But you Sabbath see little 11. spy
1: skills. You see little things that he still is able to do.
0: Yeah, he reads lips. They Stuff show him like reading that. lips. Yeah. They plant is, a
1: lot of little straight. like They're Chekhov's like, guns. Yeah.
0: There's like clues. Yeah. So that later on we realize that maybe his his uh wife, because they get married before he goes and does one more mission, um, that his wife maybe wasn't as surprised as we all thought that she would be about his uh um, yeah. you know, about his spy life. 'Cause he supposedly works at the DOT. Yeah. Is that what his Yeah. The dot, right? The Virginia Department of Transportation. I right. Think. That's his That's his uh, cover. Anyhow, so, so, so what happens very quickly is we learn that one of his uh, trainees has been taken hostage by Owen Davian. And he's got to go. They ask him. He's not in the field anymore, but they're like, you're the best we've got. And it's a real offer. He didn't have to take it. He didn't have to take it. He could have gone home and sat down, and his life would have been probably fine. Yeah. Um, Owen Davian is trying to procure or has this thing called the rabbit's foot. Which is the, we never learn what the rabbit's foot is. It's the MacGuffin. Is.
1: And I think, uh, Winton pointed this out, and I 100% agree, the reason this film works is that we don't get caught up on what the rabbit's foot is, or what it could do, or where, like, it, it's just, it is a dev plot device, and it is purely a plot device. And yeah. Ethan Hunt's disinterest in it, yeah. is, it reinforces how interested he is in, like, helping the people instead of, like, what what is this biological? Is it a weapon? Is it a thing? Is it a, th- we don't even, he doesn't care. He cares about helping the people he wants to help and get now. Yeah. And that is such a strong, like, that helps this film so much because the horrible part of Alias or the horrible part of other spy things is when we get so caught in the, like, mysterious, like, mystery box thing where you're like, what could the answer be and what is this thing and how will it affect the world? Like, that stuff is not interesting. It's not character driven. Yeah. But J.J. knew, like, just give him a MacGuffin. He'll chase it down. Yeah. And let's watch the fucking camp drag of going to the Vatican or whatever shit we're going to do. Like, that's so fun. They
0: they do, look, just like every Mission Impossible movie, they have to have these, like, massive set pieces. Uh, Did they blow up the Vatican in one of the other ones in, like, Rogue Nation? I don't know. I think they blow up the Vatican in Rogue Nation, actually. But but so, you know, um, so in essence, uh, something goes horribly wrong. On the rescue mission, and
1: uh, we're trying to rescue Carrie Russell, who's a tour de force actress. Amazing, showing you what
0: the Americans will be. By the way, this movie's fucking dark. I have to say, I said while we were watching, I was like, I can't believe this is a PG thirteen movie. It's dark. It's really dark. I mean, it's heavy. It's not kid stuff. I would never take a thirteen year old to see that film. No, they would not understand what is going on in the movie. I mean, yeah. Nor would you want. There's great action sequences, but long and short is like uh, Carrie Russell doesn't make it. Sorry, spoiler alert. and we learn we learn uh, we learn about uh, I think we get a sense of how um, uh, the the lengths to which Owen Davian will go to get with to get the things that he wants and to protect raises the stakes. and to protect himself. And, um, you know, you know, Cruz has to go rogue, got to go rogue and catch capture Davian with the help of Billy Crudup. He's doing
1: what the government can't
0: authorize He's him to do. He's doing what the government can authorize him to do. And, 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 uh, and uh, you know, there's this great sort of tension between Lawrence Fishburne and Crudup. They have a scene where they review the mission after they, they you know, uh, fail to bring back Kerry Russell alive. And um, this is the scene where the Ellison, the Ellison, Wells Ellison comment is. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Fishburne is this, you know, the perfect character to be chewing people out and to play with our assumptions because he comes off so
1: abrasive and you're like, "Well, fuck this guy."
0: Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, he's the perfect like chief police chief who's like, "Give, yeah. me, your, give me your
1: badge and gun." And you're like, "I can't trust this organization."
0: Yeah. Um, up is the perfect person to get yelled at cuz he has a face that you just want to yell at. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh anyhow, so 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 it turns into a hunt for a hunt for Owen Davian and they they launch this, you know, elaborate scheme where they like so for also, there's a lot. Okay, one of the things in this movie that is very important is that there's a lot of things that, without those things, that are probably well, they definitely at least one of them is completely fake. Devices yeah. that are necessary I mean, to make this movie function. Okay, I mean, complete technological wizardry nonsense. So one of the main pieces is a is a is a mask that can be created from a set of photos of a person that is a- applied to your face and basically is indistinguishable from... This
1: is another alias holdover, which is like magical technology yeah, that like, yeah. like there's doubles, everybody can look the same and like all you need yeah. is to just copy their voice and like
0: that's... I mean, it's very cool the way they do it. It's like this feels like like a thing you could do, maybe. I think we were more believable of this stuff in the 2000s. I don't know. I don't know. It's At any rate, uh, so they have to make essentially Tom Cruise... So this is the other thing is this basically has a face-off the movie Face Off has a – it has a subplot that is Face Off yeah. where Philip Seymour Hoffman plays Tom Cruise playing Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it's
1: It's excellent it's Because
0: the whole time I think, like, Tom Cruise is great in this role. am like, no, he wasn't seamless. even in there. <laughs> it's seamless. And, like, the, when they put the mask on and take it off, it feels like there's very little, like – you can't really – it's like, yeah, there's a little CGI, but it's uh, – it's not that detectable. Also, this film is uh, filled with practical effects. Yeah, I mean, it's also pre like the CGI wave, really, like yeah. the overwhelming wave. But it is filled with practical effects, which I think makes a lot of it much more visceral. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a you know big practical effects. Me too. Fan. I thought that the whole time. So so long and short is like um, the important thing is that there's a flip in the in the film, right? The flip is that is that you know everything's going well and then it isn't. And the point where it isn't going well, I think, is one of the greatest action sequences in action film history. Which is they get they eventually capture Davian, they take him to Virginia, yeah, and they are sold out by somebody.
1: And there's like a bridge action. They're here. on
0: the they're on a bridge. I don't know the name of the bridge. I'm sure it's in the plot description here. Hold on. It's but you've got helicopters, the Chesapeake cars, Bay bridge.
1: weapons. They're on the
0: Chesapeake Bay Bridge, and they uh, uh, get attacked by a drone, a missile firing drone and a helicopter that like rises up from under the bridge. I mean it's really epic. It's beautiful. But the whole the whole sequence is like Tom Cruise trying to get across the bridge to where Owen the, to the truck that Owen Davian is in and these like relentless marauders like going after him and there is just such velocity to that sequence. I mean I get chills. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. There's just such velocity and propulsion in all of the in the staging of it. Mm-hmm. It just feels like Everything that could go wrong is going wrong, and there's, like, an incredible intensity to it. And, like, you know, the heroes are losing, yeah, which is great. And then that kind of – that goes further, right? They kidnap his wife. Now Owen Davian has this, like, bone to pick with him because he basically tortured him mm-hmm. while he had him. I think it's also commentary on – I mean, it's, it's definitely, like um, – there's a lot of commentary, subtle commentary about the government and about America and about... And later when we get to the twist,
1: that's very heavy on the like, can America control the world? Yes. And like...
0: Yes. I mean, there is a, absolutely like a 9-11 undercurrent to all of it. Uh, North Korea gets a mention. I mean, Owen Davian is like provided... He's basically Paul Manafort or whatever. Yeah. He's like... Well, he's like a free agent... Uh, International like like terrorist dealer. Terror, terror. Broker. Yeah. But anyhow, so 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 then it becomes a chase. It becomes a race against time, right? And 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 it's Ethan Hunt going fully rogue with his crew. You know, an amazing. There's an amazing set piece in where is it? Shanghai, Mm -hmm. I think. You know, and 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 uh, it's very like. There's nothing. There's no. It's not like an M Night Shyamalan situation. There's no major. There's a twist, which is. You think there's a guy who's selling out Ethan Hunt, but it's actually the other guy who's selling out Ethan Hunt. Yeah, the guy he but, chose
1: to trust was the wrong one.
0: But there's a wonderful sequence, they basically are like Lawrence Fishburne is has uh you know, they kind of have this reveal where it's like Lawrence Fishburne is the bad guy. He's been he's been in communication with Owen Davian because he talks about how his whole mission Fishburne talks about how his whole mission there was to become was to get Owen Davian. And uh but there's this great scene where they've captured Tom Cruise after this chase after his wife gets kidnapped. They capture him. He's Hannibal Lecter on a table. He's got the mouth guard over his mouth. Mm-hmm. He's pinned down. Oh, excellent. And 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 Lawrence Fishburne is like, he gives this, he has this like, it's not a monologue exactly, but he's talking to him about what happened. And he's like, we're just gonna slow things down, which I think is an amazing line. It is like such a perfect line for the moment because you're like, holy shit, it's been breakneck and this guy needs to get to his wife. He only has so much time. And then like, he's like, we're gonna slow things down. And you're like, this is the worst possible thing you could hear at that moment. But he has this line where he leans over uh, Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise, the great cruise missile, and he's like, he was like, um, he says something to the effect of, you, you're you looking at me with those um, judgmental eyes, but make no mistake about it, I will bleed on the flag to make sure it stays red. Yeah. Which is just like such a great, weird line. It's a- so 9-11. It's very 9-11.
1: Very 9-11. And it's weird in this moment of being like America is the institution we must defend to like all like death. Like it's an an interesting like from a military perspective to hear that line today.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, this was at a time when it was all about these external threats uh, that were that felt much more real. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was like the heyday of I feel like it was like peak terrorism. It was like, you know. Pre Obama, we were many years into the Iraq. It was War. like America
1: is 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 the like the duel of the world that needs to be protected. Yeah. Everyone's after her. Yeah, and like it was like a weird. And so the in this movie, like you get doubt where we you're like, oh, maybe like the go- someone in the government's corrupt. Like maybe this like like z- like yeah. zeal for nationalism isn't real. And like, what yeah. if everyone in the government's just out for themselves? And then like it subverts that and <laughs> then says like, no, actually.
0: The higher up you go, the more patriotic it gets. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> yeah. is a
1: weird statement. And the, and but big, it was
0: fun. And then the big yeah. twist is like the kind of the twist is like, yeah. well, OK, the rabbit's foot is some kind of weapon. We don't know what kind of weapon it is. It's a biohazard. It but, but, but Billy Crutup, who's the real villain and sort of the real mastermind, is using uh, Davian to sell it to terrorist groups so that then they can launch preemptive strikes on presumably on on their countries. On countries. And right. then so,
1: rebuild the democracies in those countries, which he's like America's right. so good at. Which like right. mm, I don't it's fine. Well, true. I mean,
0: at that point, it was like maybe maybe America will be good at it, but Ew. like it didn't. He's like know. we'll
1: build roads and hospitals. It's like we can't do that.
0: He's yeah, weird to watch now. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, thing, the, the rhetoric around Iraq was. I mean, I think this is yeah. the point where the, that rhetoric had started to really become clear Turned. that it had fallen apart. But like you know, the rhetoric was like oh, we're going to bring democracy to the world, and it's like mission
1: impossible, building... ap- mission accomplished. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and crudup's uh, his idea is like I'm tired of waiting around. For America and democracy to reach Wherever right. I'm
1: gonna make it happen sort of
0: interesting motivation. I mean it's it's, it it, is I I believe it It's believable. It's believable in the context of this film
1: Absolutely, and in the context of the time like I'm like looking at it and especially with hindsight I'm like this is actually really fun,
0: but I just think I just think that It's the the movie's so entertaining It's so tight so tight. It's electric. It's two hours over but it, two hours. It moves. It moves really you quickly. You do not waste any time. I mean it is it is thrilling. Even the um, little
1: scenes in the Vatican or whatever between, like, Maggie Q and Jonathan Rees-Myers have, like, little banter. You're like, this is
0: quick, fun, two seconds, it's over. I feel like they latently were developing a relationship between Jonathan Rees-Myers and Maggie Q that, like, kind of, like, you kind like, of maybe there'll be a spinoff. Well, because he talks about how, you know, there's a big thing—Ving Rhames the whole time is telling Ethan, he's like, you can't have a wife, you can't have get yeah, have a relationship, it'll always be screwed up. It's like—he's like, nah, I'm different than you. It's like, yeah, maybe your wife's going to get kidnapped yeah. in five, literally five minutes. Yeah. Um, but, uh— But then there's like kind of a weird thing I feel like going on between Maggie Q and Jonathan Reese Myers because he's talking about how he loves not having real relationships. But then there's a couple of glances that I feel like are meant to. She like teaches him her prayer or whatever. Yes. Yes. That's right. She's like some prayer to bring her lost dog or cat back or something. Anyhow. So so let's talk for a second. So the film is great. If you haven't seen it, I think it's I think in some ways. What's your favorite part of the film? What's your favorite thing about this film? (sighs) Wow. There's so many. It's a great question. It's not my favorite movie, mind you, no, I
1: know, but, but I mean Mission like Impossible. when you were watching it, you were like, I mean, I think is it the opening scene?
0: I love the way it opens. I do i i i I think I gotta say the bridge sequence is so you're just like it's like watching you know, it's like it's it's going so badly, and there's just this wonderful. Exchanges Like Ving Rhames is like runs over like somebody got shot because like a, there's regular people on the bridge and he's yeah. like trying to help people who got shot. And then like he like tells Ethan there's like this gun. There's like a, a an automatic rifle in the truck that they were in. And he's like or in the other truck in the convoy. And he's like trying to get to it. Just that whole sequence of the tension of this drone. It's loose, but it's also very
1: choreographed, which is a fun thing yeah. to watch.
0: And then the final drone, the final drone hit or whatever, which like – or. Which blows up a car and sends like Ethan like against another car. Like you see him flying into this other car. It's so visceral. Mm-hmm. It's just very visceral. I think that scene is honestly one of the greatest action sequences in in film history. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just expertly put together. Um, I do love the all the Lawrence Fishburne scenes. I think that he's yeah. amazing, particularly when he's dressing them down in that first scene. I think that it's just like an incredible dynamic. And intensity. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just and it's all of the You're like, yeah, this guy's an asshole, but also he's making a lot of good points. Yeah. And you kind of are like, I don't want to agree with him, but I do. But I also, like, you want the, you know, the heroes of the film to, like, do their thing. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think that – I thought that was – I thought that was – I also thought it was impressive that, like, they – you know, they make something believable that is pretty unbelievable, which is this idea that this guy is, like, a super agent, the greatest super agent the government's ever had. And also – He's like married to like I I think his wife is a doctor. Well, it's the like superhero Spider Man Buffy thing, which is like I
1: want to be craving to be normal when you're exceptional, and like you your exceptionalness could like save the whole world. Like you also have this crave for normalcy that I don't know if that's realistic, but it right. but it's also fascinating to watch, right? And it makes us relate to characters who have exceptional traits,
0: right? Yeah, I think it's um. I, th- I think it's like, but they pull it off in a way because James Bond isn't relatable, but Ethan Hunt is. Yeah, I mean, look, this the the whole thing with with Tom Cruise in this movie is he's like. He actually does a great job of pretending to be a normal person. Yeah, which I think is like probably true of Tom Cruise as well. Well,
1: that's <laughs> okay. So my favorite thing in the movie is the Vatican sequence. I really love. Um, I, I love that it's so colorful. I love that it just was like fuck it, like we're gonna have fun, including the like uh, face off stuff, which I don't know if that's believable, but it's such fun to watch. But my favorite thing is Philip Seymour Hoffman being Tom Cruise being Philip Seymour Hoffman was fascinating because you watch Philip Seymour Hoffman. Have this intensity and charisma that he turns on that he isn't even using in his character, even though his character is charismatic. It's like he turns on this, like looking directly in your eyes, talking with pure confidence, and every word is being landed with each syllable that, like, Tom Cruise does. Yeah. But it, that I- imitation is not only an imitation of Tom Cruise, it's an imitation of how he portrays his character, which is just like, I'm just a guy who wants to, like, be with his wife. Yeah. And, like, you buy it because he's so charismatic, even if. In real life, if you met that person, you'd be like, that's an extraordinary man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like this weird yeah. meta thing, and it's such a crazy dance, and it's under such w- weird circumstances. And yet I truly believed Tom Cruise was wearing a
0: Philip Seymour Hoffman mask. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, well, that part is interesting because, <laughs> I mean, it's – I mean, that – the whole – it's I mean, I just couldn't stop thinking about Face Off, which, you know, if you – it's funny, too, because John Woo directed the second one. But, you know, Face Off, if, if people don't know, and uh, maybe you don't, there's a film starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta – Where they in a – it seems like in normal times, like in the day and age that we live in, but somehow they have a technology which allows you to remove someone's face and put it on your face. (laughs) Like basically do a face swap. Yeah. Like a face transplant but like seamless. Yeah. So Nicolas Cage plays John Travolta and John Travolta plays Nicolas Cage. Which is the fun of the movie. I mean it's actually insane – the, uh, sorry, this is very a deviation from the conversation about Mission Impossible 3, but just really quickly, <laughs> oh, the, I, the, idea, <laughs> the idea of Face Off is John Travolta is in, like an FBI agent and Nicolas Cage is a diabolical terrorist who has a brother— And they capture Nicolas Cage and he's, like, in a coma or something. And they're like, we need to get information from his brother. But the only person he'll talk to is Nicolas Cage. And so they're like, John Travolta, would you be interested in having your face transplanted with his face? They're like, you know him better than anyone because you've been hunting him for a decade. And then, like, pretend to be his brother. That's the plot of the movie, kind of, in a nutshell. (laughs) nutshell. And then, um, yeah, I mean, and then that happens for, like, two hours. Basically, oh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, Nicholas Cage wakes up from his coma and like forces the doctors to perform the surgery on him, which is like, how would that work? I don't know. Once, couldn't they just knock him out? At some point, don't they have to knock him out, suspending so much disbelief. I don't think they put Travolta's face on his to start with, right? I think it's like, it's like just a, he's got like just the musculature or whatever yeah. you can see. Fucking amazing, man. The 90s were a wild time. Actually, I don't know what year that was made. I think it was in the late 90s, 96. Somebody should tell me. I don't know. Do they not blow up the Vatican in one of the other Mission Impossible movies? The Kremlin? Yeah. Yes. Do they blow up the Kremlin? I know. All right. Anyhow, let's talk for a second about what Mission Impossible 3 might have been. Yeah. Okay? I'm about to blow your fucking mind. In 2002, director director David Fincher was slated to direct the next installment of Mission Impossible. I would have loved to have seen that. I don't know if this is referencing the previous director, Joe Carnahan, but it says under his involvement, I think it's referencing, Finch, referencing Fincher, the film was to feature Kenneth Branagh playing a guy who's based on Timothy McVeigh. Oof. And Carrie Ann Moss and Scarlett Johansson were going to be in it. And apparently Tandy Newton was, was offered to reprise her. Wrong. Love Tandy, pass on Scarlet. Love yeah. Ann Moss. I mean, uh, let me now remember this. Kenneth not F- double down on this is pre Scarlet's controversial. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, just never really uh, liked her choices. Actor. Scarlett Johansson is her new thing is that she's going to play every, every minority, play but every, white. Yeah, she's be like <laughs> everybody a minority, but, but a white woman. Yeah, every every
1: class and gender besides white woman.
0: She's like in the next film. She's gonna be a trans man. She's like a tall Jewish guy. <laughs> who runs a blog. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so with imma- an incredible frame. Imagine what David Fincher would have done with this. It probably would have been good, but not as good as this, in my opinion.
1: I think that this is the direction that Mission Impossible should have gone in at the time and now, which is like funner, looser, adventure-y. David Fincher I love, and I would love to see him do a movie like this, but I don't know that he, he does not like a fun... like it, I, I love David Fincher it's there's less of a like an imaginative whimsy and i think that that it that's the fun of the mission impossible movies is that more of like an anything can happen
0: sort of feeling. Do you know about this trapped in the closet controversy around yeah, mission impossible 3? I did I've know never about this. i've never i did not know anything about this. This is fucking wild. A blog entry of HollywoodInterrupted.com, which does that even exist anymore uh, in march physics alleged that viacom the parent of Paramount and Comedy Central was a Paramount movie. Cancelled the rebroadcast, rebroadcast of the South Park episode "Trapped in the Closet" due to threats by Tom Cruise to refuse to participate in the Mission Impossible three publicity circle. Um, so and people tra- started p-
1: started um, boycotting the movie because they wanted they they found out that this was happening to be like freedom of speech. You should be able to say whatever you want about Tom Cruise.
0: There was like controversy on both sides about this. Um, yeah I, I I didn't I, I didn't I'm not a, South, a big um South Park fan I guess they did a, a, an episode where they were like Tom Cruise is gay
1: yeah South Park's pretty cool pretty cool if you're like a reactionary libertarian who thinks that think caring about things sucks yeah. but they should also be allowed to say whatever they want
0: I mean it's just like I feel like it was a uh, it's interesting because you know, you know, I don't know what the crossover is between people who really love the Mission Impossible series and Tom Cruise and people who really love South Park.
1: Yeah. I, I think know. it's enough of an audience that I don't think that that would have impacted anything. I think Tom Cruise is personally mad about that episode.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to imagine the how this played out. Uh,
1: also, at the time, these kind of controversies were like a much bigger deal. Like entertainment, Hollywood, gossip, like Scientology is Tom Cruise gay stuff was way cooler than now because now we know better than to go around calling people gay and also like the world is ending, so it doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that they, i mean, South Park uh, was—I mean, whatever. I mean, obviously, it's all, you know, comedy. It's—you've got a, different rules for comedy. I don't know, whatever. But, you know, it's like, who fucking cares? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if Tom Cruise is gay and doesn't want to tell people about it who gives a shit, I mean, yeah. I don't. Also, like, uh, you're
1: gay if you say you're gay.
0: I mean, Nick Denton always made this argument. It was his whole argument about Peter Thiel, which is, like, it's good for— other people who are thinking about coming out of the closet to see, you know, people who are in the public. You I know, used to think to have that role too, models. but it's we've like,
1: evolved past that. I, I don't just, think, think, it's I just nice think it's like, it yeah, and,
0: and if they want to do that on their terms, like, by all means. Yeah. But, like, you outing them is not, like, an act of heroism. It's
1: I used to really feel that way too, but— LA? I mean, just stuff like especially if someone was dying of AIDS, like if after they died, it was good to get that conversation going because no one was talking about AIDS at the time. So, like,
0: well, that's that little, stuff. Yeah. But
1: like I mean, even with gay rights, it's like, you know, in the 90s, it was kind of good that like I'm not saying good. I'm saying there was positive effects to a negative thing, which was like some people got outed and the discussion started going and there was visibility. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying like I understand that in the context of the time. It was a gray area and it's sort of like using violence. It's a violent act. And you're using violence to like for better ends. Is that, you know, does it end just by the means? I don't think so. But at the time I could see how the desperation would drive you to think that.
0: Yeah, I think it's you know, I, I think it's it's um Yeah. I mean, I understand the argument, especially at, at another time. You know, I think we've evolved past it. And I think a lot of stuff that South Park
1: has done or said we've evolved
0: past. Well, this. I mean, South Park, I'm not even I'm not even thinking about South Park. I'm just thinking generally of that idea of like of like wanting people to be outed. You know, it's shitty. It's just I just think I like, mean, I just think like the the I get and there's an argument. And it, it also
1: says to gay people like your privacy is is, is meaningless. Like you can be targeted anytime, any even by your own people. But how much more. Like, right.
0: But how much more impactful is like Ellen? coming out than, like, somebody being forced out. I feel like that also sends, like, a weird, it's like, oh, yeah, you'll be forced out, so do it, it's like, maybe you'll have to do it Whatever. Anyhow, I think the the more I didn't know interesting this controversy, controversy existed around this film, which is it was the main thing.
1: The more interesting controversy was Paramount putting tape recorders that played the theme song in newspaper stands around the country. So when you open the newspaper stand, it would play the Mission Impossible theme song. Except that some of them started breaking and like random pieces of equipment would fall out and people thought that they were bombs. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so there was bomb scares across they the were, nation. They were Post-9 widely 11 world.
0: They were widely mistaken for bombs, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> which is really, really good. Great marketing. And they, they kept going with Police it. Police bomb squads detonated a number of the vending boxes and even temporarily shut it shut down a veterans hospital in response to the apparent threat. I mean, this this actually kind of I, this sort of makes sense now. I'm in context of of everything. I sort of understand why maybe this film wasn't as like well received as as either the previous ones or I don't know if the second one was a bomb or not. Third I can't, movies I can't are hard. Third movies are hard. Yeah, but um. But at any rate, uh, it's it's a great film. It's the, in my opinion the best Mission Impossible, and I and I and I. It's not the highest grossing Mission Impossible, but it is. Uh, I think says everything about the series that you need to to hear uh, in one go. Now they did not bring Lawrence Fishburne back for the next film, which I'm disappointed. They brought uh, Alec Baldwin uh, became the uh, director of the CIA. Yeah. Maybe they they fold. I don't know what happens. They didn't bring Maggie Q back. I know they should bring Maggie. They didn't Q bring back Jonathan Rhys Meyers. Take or leave Jonathan Rhys Meyers, but he was like, "I just assaulted." How do you think he got so thin? He's like, "I just assaulted several family members. <laughs> I will not be able to um, make it back." Maggie Q should have had her own film series. Leah Sudeau is in the uh, most recent one. Love her. Beautiful. Didn't beautiful bring actress. Carrie Russell back. <laughs> one of my favorite. One of my favorite French film stars. Um, at any rate. That's Mission Impossible 3. Yeah, that's Mission Impossible 3 and I thought that it, on the eve of the you know the new one is coming out soon mm-hmm. that it was worth revisiting the best Mission Impossible film. If we couldn't do news,
1: what's the next best thing? Yeah, we'll talk Mission Impossible for an hour. All
0: right, so we got to wrap up. There's nothing else to say. If you want to send comments, questions, concerns about our my Mission Impossible choice. I also think Terminator 3 is the best Terminator film, so yeah, don't give me Winton's. give me a look. Guess what? That movie fucking rips. Okay? It's a good movie. It's been overlooked by the critics for too long, and it's time to revisit Terminator 3. I fall in camp T2, but I respect your choices. Yeah, T2 is fine, but T3 is the best. I also fall in camp Alien over Aliens. Oh, that's the show. Uh, do us a favor and take the tomorrow survey so we can understand what you like and don't like about this show. Takes like two seconds. Like How many episodes of this show would you like to hear about mission impossible three should we do all of the mission impossibles should we do all in no particular order? should we find any film series with six or more films and do all of those as should that be the new thrust of tomorrow all film long film series
1: i'm not saying we're going to do reviews. it i'm saying you yeah, should just, if you, you feel that say it.
0: you should go and or say you know are you like hey you didn't talk about politics this week because you were talking about mission impossible three but i don't like that or like why didn't you isn't there a phone that you should be discussing or some gadget? I ordered. We have I, a complaint box now. I just ordered some uh, wireless earbuds suggested by the wire cutter, Jabra. I was thinking the whole time, like, Jabra must be so stoked because they were like, oh God, we're going out of business because we made those horrible, douchey Bluetooth things. Uh-huh. And then somebody was like, but what if you had what if two you of them? Two? <laughs> and they're like, we're back. <laughs> We're back, baby.
1: It's 2004 all over again. Ha. Jabra everywhere.
0: Fucking jawbone couldn't hang in there, man. No. So if you want to take the survey, which you really should. Tell us about your headphones. Tell us about what's going on with your ears. In your ears. Go to the outline.com
1: slash tomorrow survey. Is
0: that the right URL?
1: It's the outline.com slash tomorrow survey. Spelled exactly the
0: way you spell those words. Yeah. it's yeah, right. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Though, I've just learned that Owen Davian has targeted your family and currently is holding them in an anonymous building in Shanghai. And he wants what he wants right now.